Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. As I said on the last podcast, um, I was on a sabbatical for the last two months and had many great guest speakers uh, covering for me. One of them was my friend Doug Anderson, who spoke this week and the the next week on this July 8th and uh, the following weekend as well. Uh, The title of this message is, What is Love? Part 1. Part 2 is coming next. I really appreciate Doug, who has been uh, very much a a, a friend and a mentor in my life, uh, filling in for me. So, let's go to North Shore Vineyard Church. Thanks for listening. Actually, I was a national coordinator, not to be confused with a national director, not that anybody knows the difference, but, uh, uh, and people always ask me, what's a national coordinator, and I never knew what to tell them, so it's whatever the national director doesn't want to do, so uh, anyway, uh, hey, it's always great to be here. I, uh, I've had the opportunity to be here many times. And uh, I kind of feel like uh, kind of part of y'all, sort of. I've been, uh, Crispin and I have been friends for a long time, way before he started this church. And so we were, we were a part of uh, his vision for starting this and watching it grow over the years. And, and I love what you guys have become. And uh, so it's always a pleasure for Marsh and I to be here. Uh, and uh, to see a lot of friends that we've made over the years. Um, so, um, this morning, I actually want to talk to you guys a little bit about love. And I was thinking, you know, if if it was me and I'm sitting out there and this guy gets up and says, I want to talk about love, I'd like, oh my gosh, love. You know, it's kind of like... What a worn-out subject, you know. How many times have we heard about love? Um, I chose love because it's, a, it's not talked about very much. It's a very simple subject and, uh, you know, easy to define. And, and uh, um, I'm joking. If you don't know my sense of humor, that's a joke. But, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, how do you, how do you talk about love? But the thing is uh, that I've discovered is uh, the things that we think we know the most, we stop learning about because we know it. And uh, hopefully, if you'll hang with me, I'm going to be taking a little bit different angle than what we normally hear about love in church. Um, But here's the thing. If you ask a 1,000 people, what is love, how many answers are we going to get? Yeah, probably at least a 1,000. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about uh, if you're like me, your first clues on love happened to be like songs that you listened to growing up, right? Matter of fact, Billboard magazine, um, in their database, uh, they have love is the most, easily the most frequent of the 10 to 1,000 song titles that 
since they've been keeping track of songs, love, you know, as a title. Um, and so, like I said, for many of us, uh, our ideas about love, uh, our thinking about love, maybe first came as we sing these songs. It's a, it's a form of brainwashing uh, that happens in our culture. Uh, but if our music defined for us what love is, we'd end up very confused and with a bizarre uh, notion of what love is. Just listen to some of these titles. You don't know what love is. I want to know what love is. All you need is love. Another songwriter said the Beatles said all you need is love, and then they broke up. You know, um, I will always love you. Love will keep us together. I can't help falling in love. And lovers never say goodbye. But will you love me tomorrow? Where did our love go? I'm not in love. I don't love you. I'll fall in love again. I will love you tomorrow. Where is love? And apparently that matters because some people were looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> love hurts. Love is a battlefield. Love bites. That's a good one. Love's, love stinks. Love is thicker than water. Love is more than a feeling. If you love someone, set them free. And one of my favorites, love is never having to say you're sorry. Have you tried that one? <laughs> How's it worked out for you? It didn't, it didn't work out for me too good. And in the end, we kind of start back where we started. What is love? Please don't hurt me. You know, it's kind of like, um, what is love? So that's kind of the question I'm asking. What is love? Um, and I have to say, honestly, the older I get, the less I feel like I know what love is. And that's actually happened on a lot of things that I thought I knew very well what they were when I was younger. Some of the most basic, fundamental things in life I find myself questioning or wondering about. Um, but... When I was 12 years old, I was an expert on love. I actually, it was when I was in my first uh, rock and roll band, 12 years old. And, uh, and, and so that's me in the middle. By the way, turtlenecks were popular then. They were in style. <laughs> and uh, so don't judge me. But uh, anyway, I don't know if you can tell very clear from this picture what I'm looking at. But it's that cute background singer all the way to the right, <laughs> Carla. She was so, so fine. And she was one of the most popular girls in school. She, she reminded me of like Gidget. I don't know if you remember Gidget back then, but kind of like him. You know, she had that look and that vitality. And so, um, now I don't know what it was like for you, whether they still do this or not, but. Uh, the way love worked back then was if you found somebody that you wanted to go steady with, uh, we had these ID bracelets. You guys have those? Uh, you know, they were like chains, uh, bracelets, and then they had a little thing with your name on it. And if you found somebody you wanted to go steady with, you gave them your ID bracelet, and they wore it. 
So I was kind of insecure at this age, and you know I didn't think anybody would want to go steady with me. I had an ID bracelet, but uh, matter of fact, I was so ticked off I found that thing, and I was going to bring it. Still have it. Uh, but anyway, so I worked up the nerve to ask Carla if she'd go steady with me, and to my shock and amazement, she said yes. And so she started wearing my ID bracelet. Well, uh, you know that, that automatically gave me status and class in school, you know. And I was kind of new in the school. Uh, and so I became an expert on love because in that season, I learned the three basic things about love. One was what love felt like. So I gave Carla my ID bracelet. We were going steady. I had these feelings that I've never had before. And I found out what love felt like. Then my second lesson was not, I can't remember how long, but not too long after that, I was out uh, at recess on the playground, and Carla came up and threw my ID bracelet at me and said, I hate you, Doug Anderson. I don't remember what I did. I, I don't know. But my second lesson is what heartbreak felt like. My heart was broken. I went home and cried on my mother's shoulder. Didn't want to live anymore. And then I learned my third lesson. There was actually another girl that I was kind of interested in. So I went to her house that afternoon and asked her if she wanted to go steady with me. She said, sure, and I gave her my ID bracelet, and I learned what rebound felt like, which is the third lesson. So, so what else is there to know? What love feels like, what heartbreak feels like, and what rebound feels like? I mean, you got, if you, you know that, you know about love, right? So switching subjects a little bit, that was, that was my first encounter with this whole love thing. The second, interestingly enough, was a few years later, I had this experience um, of actually the presence of Jesus. I met Jesus. I mean, I grew up in church, and you know, of course I heard about him, and and learned about him in Sunday school, learned all the stories. But it just it just never kind of clicked with me that he was a real person that I could have a relationship with. And so this thing happened. I was at this place, and I, I met him. I experienced him. And I felt this love that was unlike anything. It was pure. It was warm. It was accepting. Um, you know how it is. Many of you have experienced that. You, you can't really explain it, explain it. You can experience it. But it was different than any other kind of love that I had had uh, experienced at that time. And, um, and so it changed my whole understanding, all my categories, my values for love. So many things changed after that experience. And then a few years later, um, we were having this prayer meeting in my parents' house in Hammond, and Floyd and Ethel were in that. We we lived in Hammond at the time. I was going to Southeastern. And, uh, you know, some nights we'd have over 100 kids packed into my parents' living room, and we'd worship and do Bible study and pray for one another. And it, it was, the spirit was so thick in there. It was just a great time. Uh, the presence of Jesus was always seen to be there. One night, 
uh, we were worshiping, and I was looking out, you know, and all these people's packed into into the house, and I saw this one person, this girl, and her face was turned upward, and she was worshiping. She had her eyes closed. She was crying. And you could just tell by looking at her that she loved Jesus. You know, it was just kind of that radiant face. And all of a sudden, she became glowing and radiant, and the rest of the room faded to gray. Not really, but it just seemed that way. And I just stared at her and I said, man, I love that. That's awesome. So afterwards, I, I accidentally or kind of found my way next to her and started up conversation. And, and uh, next thing you know, we started dating. And, and then um, we got married. Uh, and uh, we just celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary. Um, but, it, of course, this was Marcia. Uh, but what was different about her was it, it again, was a, a, just a different kind of love as far as a human being is concerned um, because she was just real. She didn't play the games that I was used to in dating relationships. And, the, it, you know, what you saw is what you got, and she was real. She was loving, caring. And uh, uh, so it was a different kind of loving experience for me. So I'm just, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm saying all this just to kind of say, this, this is my background of what informed me about what love is. You have your own stories. Um, but here, after saying all that, here's the interesting thing. After being married 42 years, having had an, a relationship with Jesus for almost 50 years, that's old. Having uh, four kids, we have 12 grandkids. I've got friends all over the world, close friends. This may come as a surprise to some of you, but I feel like I know less about love than at any other time in my life. I feel like um, I understand greatly how unloving I can be. Now, but I feel like I have so much to learn about love. And this, uh, there's a reason that this kind of came up. And so for the last several years, I've been on this quest um, to find out what Jesus meant when he talked about love and what is the nature of love, what fundamentally what is love and how does it reveal itself? And in my search, there's three things that Jesus said that just kind of bother me. Bother me in the sense of after walking with him for this many years to think, well, I just have questions about this. The first one was in Matthew 22. I think you have it in your sheet, whatever. But um, there was a teacher of the law that was trying to chick a trick Jesus he said teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law and Jesus replied love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love 
your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Or today you would say, and all of the Bible hang on these two things. You, just, you, can, you can just reduce it down to, and summarize it with these two things. Love the Lord your God and love one another. In Matthew 5, he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Well, you know, in that first one, love the Lord your God, you know, I started asking how do you love God? Really, I mean, like we just read that, love the Lord your God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you really think about it, how, how do you love God? Is it a feeling? I just have good feelings about God? Is it I come and sing about him? Is it, well, I try to be just and do justice in the world? I love God. I try to feed the poor. I mean, really... How do you love love? How do you love God? Um, and all of a sudden, the simple, simple and shallow cliches I'd heard all my life just was meaningless to me. It's so unsatisfactory. And then when I read this about loving your enemies, you know, I'd, I'd just be flooded with these questions. What kind of love gives us the, the ability to actually love people we hate? And today, it just seems like there's more valid reasons to hate people than ever for certain groups of people, you know. Love your enemies. It doesn't say tolerate them. It doesn't say, you know, have patience with them or uh, overlook their stuff or don't resent them. It actually says love your enemies. How do you do that? And how successful have we been at that? You don't have to answer out loud. And then the third uh, passage that kind of, uh, you know, just kind of bothered me as I thought about it was in John 13. He says, Jesus, Jesus is saying this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone. Now just listen to this. By this fact that you love one another, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Uh, way back when, uh, I was kind of came to know the Lord in the midst of the Jesus movement in the late 60s. And... Uh, Kind of the, one of the main theme songs during that time, and we did this in Hammond, was they'll know you're Christians by your love. Now, I hadn't heard that song in 30 years. Anybody know that song? You, you guys know that song? So last night, I'm preaching in Mid-City, basically the same message, and, I, uh, and before I gave my message or anything, we're sitting in worship, and Brian was leading worship, and all of a sudden... We are one in the Spirit. He started singing this song. I hadn't heard it in 30 years. I couldn't believe it. 
And he said, yeah, we picked it up a little while ago and kind of started doing it again, you know. Uh, and it was so bizarre that he was doing it <laughs> last night. So, uh, But here's my big problem. After 50 years of being a Christian and observing other Christians, observing my life and other Christians, I have not found this to be true. Maybe you have. When I was younger, as a new Christian, I would say absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody loved each other, and it was just so cool. Um, but today, the reputation the church has in the world and pastoring a church for 20 years and people being in church forever I haven't really found this overall true that people know we're followers of Jesus because of the way we love each other. I'm just being real here. You know, I mean, I know preachers aren't supposed to say that. Um, I mean, what he's saying here is that the primary mark, the distinctive identifier, you know, the, the, the main characteristic and outstanding feature in people that follow Jesus is love to the point that um, you not just that they love each other, but they, to the point that they love their enemies, and that's how they're known that they're a follower of Jesus. So what is this kind of love that makes us love not just our enemies, but love one another, and that it, it's, it's, there's something about that love that's so distinct. This is, oh, they're, they're followers of Jesus, you know. Um, a love so compelling that it automatically identifies us with Jesus. I'm sorry to share this misery I'm having with you guys, making you ask questions you might not have asked. But it's been a really good process because until we come back and ask honest questions, we don't grow. We don't learn anymore. If we just accept everything as the cliches sometimes they are, um, it's a, it can be a very shallow thing. So in my search, I've read tons of books, uh, read theologians, I've read counselors, listened to podcasts. I've searched deep in my soul. I've talked to a lot of people about this. I've had conversations. Um, and I haven't been able to, after all that, I, you know, I got to a point where I, I couldn't find anybody that came up with an adequate definition of what love is. You know, everybody had one, but it seemed so sterile. It's kind of like when you're a kid and your parents had the talk with you and they mechanically told you how things worked and you went, oh, gross, you know. <laughs> but where was the love in that conversation? You know, where, you know what I'm saying? It, it, was, it was factual. It was real. It's kind of like that. When so many people define love. It's a blah, 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 blah. You know, it's kind of like, really? You know, it just left me feeling cold. And uh, then uh, many Christians like say, well, you got 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a love chapter. It tells you exactly what love is. 
And, and I have to agree, it's very, very helpful, maybe one of the most helpful places in the Bible to describe love. It just doesn't define it. Matter of fact, you will not find love defined in the whole Bible. Go prove me wrong. It'll make you read the Bible again, but uh, it's in bad. It talks all around it and describes it and, and invites you into it and tells you who has it. It just never says exactly what it is. And that frustrated me. Um, it just caused more confusion. So, in the process, well, um, I, I wanted, what I want to share with you this week and next week is just a few things on my journey that I did discover about love. And I actually resolved to a definition, which I'll be giving at the end of next week's message. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but for me, you know, I wrestled through this, and I did come to a conclusion. But there's been three or four or five uh, just very interesting perspectives about love. Of course, it doesn't. This isn't like a, a, a total comprehensive thing about love, but it will hopefully make you ask questions and think about love a little bit differently. And uh, these things didn't really come. They helped with all the research that I did, mainly because of the questions I asked. But let me tell you where they came from. Going through about a five or six year, five or six year period of intense suffering with mental anguish mental tormenting, emotional despair, depression. Everything in my life was going great. And then all of a sudden, this, this happened just out of the blue. It was very, very dark night of the soul. I never understood that emotional pain could hurt as much as it did. As those of you that experienced that know it's much greater than any physical pain. It, it, it's horrible. Um, it was a time of, of it, for me, a very unusual distance or abandonment from those who I thought were my friends. That I thought I loved and I thought they loved me. Um, everything I had going in my life came to a screeching halt. But the most painful thing I experienced was the loving silence of God. Try that again. The loving silence of God. Um, it was painful. It was intense. And so I just want to share a few of these deep convictions that kind of came out of this season I went through. Um, the first one, and, and let me just warn you, when I read these, I'm going to share two of them this morning and then the rest next week. When I read them, you're probably going to go, well, duh. I think, you know, everybody knows that about love, you know. But bear with me in that because as I unpack it, uh, we may know less than we thought or we might not have thought in those ways. The first one is uh, that our unending source of love 
is the love of God. We all want We all know that. You know, God isn't loving. God is love. I mean, he is. His very essence is love. He exudes love. And the source of all love is God and his love. Uh, and like I said, this seems simple and everybody knows it. But, but hear this. If we don't really get this one, it doesn't matter what else we get. We have to get this thing about the source of love being God. Because we say we believe it, but when it really gets down to it, sometimes the way we live and the way our relationships happen is we don't get it so often. Um, and so because, I don't know if you've discovered this, but we run out of love. Have you ever run out of love? <laughs> we end up short. We end up in situations where we need a whole lot more love than we have to give. You know, our love is finite. But God's is unlimited. And what happens is we end up tapping into our own resources and we run out instead of tapping into God's love, which never runs out of resources. And... Uh, why am I drawing a freaking blank on your name? Faith. <laughs> Faith and I are good friends. I'm just like, I appreciate several things she did this morning. One was um, just talking about this river, you know, because that's, that's what I'm talking about here. God's source of love is a river that when it flows through us, we don't run out because we're not the source of it. He always has enough, you know. And... Um, and so, um, we don't have the kind of love that, that enables us to not judge others, to not be prejudiced, to not be apathetic, to, to always love our family and our friends and our enemies. <laughs> That's a big one. We have a hard time loving people that hurt us. We have a hard time loving people that hurt us. We have a hard time loving people that hurt us. And cause us pain and reject us and abandon us. It's hard to have any love. And this is because our source of love is us, and we have no love there. But somehow or another, God loves them. And in God's love, as it flows through us, there's a grace to give love to those that may not deserve it. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. It's a supernatural love that comes to us that no longer judges people. Why? It's because we don't deserve this love that's coming to us. So why are we judging somebody else who doesn't deserve it? Why are we not giving it to somebody else that doesn't deserve it? We were giving it when we didn't deserve it, right? And uh, 
And we find ourselves loving people sometimes, and we, we almost stand outside of ourselves, you know, going, who was that? What was that? They just did that and just said that and loved that person that just did something horrible to me, you know? Um, but God loves us, but, you know, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to love us. There's nothing. He's not contractually, uh, you know, obligated to love us. He doesn't have to, but, you know, he does it because he wants to, because he loves us, and so he gives us his love. And so, um, I mean, I'm glad God's not passive-aggressive, right? Uh, you know, we do something wrong, and he's like, okay, I'm not going to talk to you for a while, you know. <laughs> You're dead to me. You know, I mean, like, he's just always loving. And uh, so this understanding is God is our source uh, results in at least two major ways in how we love. And uh, the first one is that we don't withhold our love from people that have hurt us or have offended us or do something wrong to us or we don't think deserve it. Uh, and again, that's kind of a passive aggressive thing, but me... If somebody does something mean to me or, or something I think is unjust, <clears throat> oh, man, I pull it all back in. I'm not being nice to them. I'm not doing anything for them. I'm not <clears throat> talking to them if I don't have to. I withhold the love. But let me tell you something. The love that we've been given isn't ours to withhold. It's been given to be given. And when we withhold it, we also shut off the supply. And we go into this period where we feel, we don't feel the love, <laughs> you know. Um, and so that's one, one way, you know. The other uh, is that uh, instead of looking to God, when we run out of the love resources ourselves, we look to others or other things. And uh, what happens in this is causes very difficult relationships because we're expecting people to give us the love that only God can give us. And a marriage relationship, that's a disaster, right? Uh, of course, our spouses help us and encourage us. But when we're looking for love that we're not getting from God and that we need, and, and so we look to somebody else, for it, and it's not coming because how can it? Then we withhold our love from them, you know, because they're not giving us what we want and what we need. And here, that's just two ways that I think love, um, you know, when we don't look to God as our main resource, two ways that it works itself out into us. So the first thing is that love is originates the source of love is God. And I, I just invite you to go away and kind of think about these things, meditate on them, because I'm just scratching the surface on these things to get them out. The second thing I want to share this morning is that love is not reciprocal. Um, and by that I mean, you know, if I scratch your back, you scratch mine. If I, if I love you, you, you love me. You know I mean? It's kind of like a, we, got, we have this scale that has to keep balanced, Right? 
Um, there was a guy that, that I, uh, in my research and, and, and studying about this, I ran into, and I love this guy. His name is Allred from Reveaux. And uh, you've all heard of him, uh, you know, and he, he was a saint, actually, back in the 11th to 12th century, you know. Although, of, all read of Raveau, you know, you quote him all the time. I'd never heard of him either. But anyway, he, uh, his, his, he wrote mainly on spiritual friendships. It's really good stuff, but it's kind of convicting, too. And, and just to summarize a lot that he wrote, he... He, he uh, reduced friendships down to three types of friendships. One were carnal friendships, and these were friendships that the bond happened on something carnal they were doing together. And in that day, carnal meant sinful. Uh, so uh, I think about this back when I was in my drug days. Uh, that was a pretty tight community. You know, those of us that did drugs together, I mean, we we had each other's back and and uh, you know but but our but our common bond were the drugs that we were doing together. So when one of us like me stopped doing it, we kind of weren't in that community anymore. the The friendships changed. So this can be applied to different things. But but, but anyway, the bond is whatever carnal activity you're. You're sharing together. Then he said, secondly, there's reciprocal relationships. And this is the kind of friendship that our friendship, uh, you being my friend is only as strong as I'm being your friend. Uh, And if you no longer are contributing to the partnership, then why should I invest in it? If you no longer bring the good, I'm not going to give anything. Um, and so we, it's, it's a reciprocal thing, uh, and, and, and so it's, it's unfortunately, a, a whole lot of the relationships I had in life have been reciprocal, uh, and I found that out during this season, if how many people I thought were friends, but then if I wasn't the same person I used to be, they didn't want to be my friend anymore, or if I didn't hold this title or position it was amazing how many people left, you know. I imagine uh, athletes, popular athletes and movie stars and stuff like that. How do they know who their friends are? They're real friends, right? Because people want to get stuff from us. But if all of a sudden we don't have it to give, they're gone because it's reciprocal, you know. And, uh, and so I, I think that's the vast majority of relationships. Unfortunately, I think that's a lot of relationships in the church. People leave the church. Why? Well, they're, they're no longer giving me what I need. You know, it's, it's this kind of consumer thing where uh, if I'm not getting what, out of it what I want, I'm not going to give into it. You know, it's this, this kind of thing. So then he said, um, so, so in that one, love is conditional on what love I'm receiving, right? The love I give is equal to the love. There's another Beatles quote. Uh, anyway, uh, then the third type he calls spiritual friendships. And in spiritual friendships, you love the other person because you love the other person. You love for love's sake. It doesn't matter what you guys do to me. 
I love you because I love you. If God is our source of love, well, I'm not dependent on, on you for love. What you do for me versus what I do for you isn't even in the picture. I love you because I love you. My good friend Joe Jackson, when I was in Hammond, he was a black dude that was kind of my main best friend. I got, we got in so much trouble together just because we were together. Back in the early 70s, it wasn't the best climate for white and black people to hang out together. And he was always getting threatened because of being with me. And we were one place one night, and there were some rednecks that saw us together. And uh, they looked at me and said, you can stay. And looked at Joe and said, but you got to get out of here. And so I'm saying, well, let's just go, Joe. You know? And he said, well, wait just a minute. And he looks at these rednecks. And I'm and I knew I was coming. I was like, Joe, no, don't, don't do that. Not, not now, you know. And really from his heart, he would look at those guys and said, hey, I just want you to know something. I love you, man. And I'm like, Joe, please. <laughs> You're going to get us killed. But he meant it. You know, I mean, how, in the early 70s, how can a black guy look at a white guy that hates him and say, I just want you to know I love you with all my heart? And he did. The love of Jesus was in him. It was a spiritual kind of thing because it didn't matter what they did for him to love them. And so, that, you know, obviously this has got me thinking a lot um, about friendship and love because real love gives, period. And I've been so challenged by this when somebody does me wrong and I want to withhold my love. And I think about this and I think, wait a second. I have to love. God, I can't love right now. I don't have it. And sometimes I feel his love to give. I don't all the time. That was the hardest thing about this season I went through. That's another thing, Faith, that you said that I appreciated is that when we don't feel his presence. I grew up my whole life feeling his presence. I was a feeling his presence junkie. I didn't know it till it was gone. And I no longer, for a long time, no longer, I didn't hear him talking to me. I didn't feel his presence. And I was always like, why did you leave? What did I do? And I'm going to unpack that a little bit more next week so I don't want to get more into it. But, uh, but anyway, those are the first two, and so I'll finish the other ones next week. So let's stand, and uh, Marcia, would you come up? Um, I just want to lead in a, just a few minutes of it. May yeah, you guys stand up. You know it. I come on up here. I, I don't know um, where you are right now in your love life. You may be here right this morning saying, why is he talking about that? I'm in so much pain. I just went through a divorce. I just found out my spouse was cheating on me. Um, my kids, whatever, you know, or my best friend just, or you may be like, I just got engaged and I'm so full of love, you know. Quit telling me all that stuff. Um, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are with your love of Jesus and his love for you. You may be here, and you don't even know what I'm talking about. You've never experienced his love, which is so awesome. 
or maybe you haven't experienced it in a long time. Maybe, maybe you're discovering the pain of being abandoned and, or abused and rejected even as a kid, and all of a sudden the pain of all that's coming back. I don't know. I mean, like, we're all in different places. But I do know this, is that we need the love of Jesus. And uh, we just want to pray and just kind of um, soak for a minute 